0: Rincewind surfaced, gasping for breath. He'd fallen into a water hole. It was in... well, it looked as though once there had been a cave, and the roof had collapsed. There was a big circle of blue right above him. Rocks had fallen down here, and sand had blown in, and seeds had taken root. Cool, damp and green, the place was a little oasis tucked away from the sun and the wind. He pulled himself out of the water and looked around while he drained off. Vines had grown among the rocks. A few small trees had managed to take root in the crack. There was even a little bit of beach. By the look of the stains on the rocks, the water had once been a lot higher. And there, Rincewind sighed, wasn't that just typical. You got some quiet little beauty spot miles from anywhere, and there was always some graffiti artist ready to spoil it. It was like that time when he was hiding out in the Moorpork Mountains and right in the back of one of the deepest caves some vandal had drawn loads of stupid bulls and antelopes. Rincewind had been so disgusted he'd wiped them off and they'd left lots of old bones and junk lying around. Some people had no idea how to behave. Here they'd covered the rock walls with drawings in white, red and black. Animals again, Rincewind noticed. They didn't even look particularly realistic. He stopped, water dripping off him in front of one. Someone had probably wanted to draw a kangaroo. There were the ears and the tail and the clown feet. But they looked alien, and there were so many lines and cross-hatchings that the figure seemed odd. It looked as though the artist hadn't just wanted to draw a kangaroo from the outside, but had wanted to show the inside as well. And then had wanted to show the kangaroo last year and today and next week, and also what it was thinking all at the same time, and had set out to do the whole thing with some ochre and a stick of charcoal. It seemed to move in his head. He blinked, but it still hurt. His eyes seemed to want to wander off in different directions. Rincewind hurried further along the cave, ignoring the rest of the paintings. The piled rubble of the collapsed ceiling reached nearly to the surface, but there was space on the other side, going on into the darkness. It looked as though he was in a piece of tunnel that had collapsed. ''You walk right past it,'' said the kangaroo. He turned. It was standing on the little beach. ''I didn't see you get down here,'' said Rincewind. ''How'd you get down here?'' ''Come on. I've got to show you something. You can call me Scrappy if you like.'' ''Why?'' ''We're mates, ain't we? I'm here to help you.'' ''Oh, dear.'' "'Can't make it alone across this land, mate. "'How do you think you've survived so far? "'Water's bloody hard to find out there these days.' "'No, I don't know. I just kept falling into...' Um... "'Rincewind stopped. "'Yeah,' said the kangaroo. "'Strike you as odd, does it?' "'I thought I was just naturally lucky,' said Rincewind. "'He thought about what he just said. "'I must have been crazy.' There weren't even flies down here. There was the occasional faint ripple on the water, and that wasn't comforting since there wasn't apparently anything to stir the surface. Up above, the sun was torching the ground and the flies swarmed like, well, flies. ''Why isn't there anyone else here?'' he said. ''Come and see,'' said the kangaroo. Rincewind raised his hands and backed away. ''Are we talking teeth and stings and fangs?'' ''Just look at that painting there, mate.'' "'What, the one of the kangaroo?' "'Which one's that, mate?' "'Rincewind looked along the wall. "'The kangaroo picture wasn't where he remembered it. "'I could have sworn, "'That's the one I want you to look at over there!' "'Rincewind looked at the stone. "'What it showed outlined in red ochre were dozens of hands. "'He sighed. "'Oh, right,' he said wearily. "'I see the problem. "'Exactly the same thing happens to me.' "'What are you talking about, mister?' "'It's just the same with me when I try to take snaps with an iconograph,' said Rincewind. "'You set up a nice picture, the demon paints away, "'and when you look at it, whoops, you had your thumb in the way. "'I must have got a dozen pictures of my thumb. "'Now I can see your lad there doing his painting in a bit of a hurry, "'got his brush all ready and then splush. "'He'd forgotten to take his hand off the... "'No, it's the painting underneath I'm talking about, mister.' "'Rincewind looked closer.' There were fainter lines there, which you'd think were just flaws in the rock if you weren't looking. Rincewind squinted. Other lines seemed to fit. Yes, someone had painted figures. They were... He blew away some sand. Yes, they were curiously familiar. Yes, said Scrappy, his voice apparently coming from a distance. Look a bit like you, don't they? But they're... He began. He straightened up. How long have these paintings been here? Well, let's see, said the kangaroo. Out of the sun and the weather, nothing to disturb them. 20,000 years? That's not right. Nah, true. Probably 30,000 in a nice sheltered spot like this. But these are... that's my... Of course, when I say 30,000 years, said the kangaroo, I mean it depends how you look at it. Even them hand-paintings on the top there have been 5,000 years, see? And those faint ones, oh, yeah, got to be pretty old. Tens of thousands of years, except, er... Except what? They weren't here last week, mate. You're saying they've been here for ages, but not for very long? See? I knew you was clever. And now you're going to tell me what the hell you're talking about? Right. Um... Excuse me, I'll just find something to eat. Rincewind lifted up a rock. There were a couple of jam sandwiches underneath. The wizards were civilised men of considerable education and culture. When faced with being inadvertently marooned on a desert island, they understood immediately that the first thing to do was place the blame. Eat! "'Really was very clear,' shouted Ridcully, "'waving his hand frantically in the air at the place where the window had been. "'And I put a sign on it.' "'Yes, but you've got a do-not-disturb sign nailed to your study door,' "'said the senior wrangler. "'And you still expect Mrs Whitlow to bring you your tea in the mornings?' "'Gentlemen, please,' said Ponder Stibbons. "'We've got to sort some things out right now.' "'Yes, indeed,' roared the dean, "'and it was his fault. "'The sign wasn't large enough. "'I mean, we have to... "'There are ladies present,' snapped the senior angler. "'Lady,' Mrs Whitlow uttered the word carefully "'and with deliberation, like a gambler putting down a winning hand. "'She stood primly watching them. "'Her expression said, "'I'm not worried, because with all these wizards around, "'nothing bad can happen.' The wizards adjusted their attitudes. I do apologise if I've done something wrong, she said. Oh, oh, no, no, not not wrong, said Ridcully quickly. Not exactly wrong as such. Anyone could have done it, said the senior wrangler. I could hardly read the lettering myself. And, and taking the broad view, it's certainly better to be stuck out here in the fresh air and sunshine than in that... St- "'Stuffy study,' Ridcully went on. "'That's quite a broad view, sir,' said Ponder doubtfully. "'And and we'll be back home in two shakes of a lamb's tail,' said Ridcully, beaming. "'Unfortunately, this doesn't look a very um, agricultural sort of,' Ponder began. "'Figure of speech, Mr. Sibbons. figure of speech!' The sun's going down, sir, Ponder persisted, which means it'll be night-time soon. Ridcully looked nervously at Mrs Whitlow, and then at the sun. Is there a problem? said Mrs Whitlow. Oh, good heavens, no, said Ridcully hastily. I noticed the little hole in the wall doesn't seem to have come back, said Mrs Whitlow. We, um, it's a little prank, is it? "'the housekeeper went on. "'I'm sure you gentlemen will have your fun, and no mistake.' "'Yes, that's... "'But I should be grateful if you would send me back now, Arch-Chancellor. "'We're doing the laundry this afternoon, "'and I'm afraid we're having a lot of trouble with the dean's sheets.' "'The dean suddenly knew how a mosquito feels in the beam of a searchlight. "'We'll sort this out directly. "'Never fear, Mrs Whitlow,' said Ridcully, "'not taking his eyes off the wretched dean.' In the meantime, why don't you take a seat and enjoy the rather wonderful sheets? I I I mean, sunshine. There was a clack as the deck chair folded itself up. Then it sneezed. Ah, back with us again, librarian, Ridcully went on, as the orangutan sprawled in the sand. Help him up, please, Mr. Stibbons. Uh, A a word to the rest of you, please, if you'll excuse us a moment. Mrs. Whitlow, Uh, faculty meeting. The wizards went into a huddle. ''It was tomato sauce, all right,'' said the dean hurriedly. ''I just happened to be having a snack in bed, and and you know how that stuff stains.'' I, ''I'm sure we're not at all interested in the state of your sheets, dean,'' said Ridcully. ''No, indeed,'' said the senior wrangler brightly. ''Not us,'' said the lecturer in recent rooms, slapping the dean on the back. ''We, we, we have to get back,'' said Ridcully. ''We can't spend the night alone with Mrs Whitlow. ''It wouldn't be decent.'' "'I don't see why anyone should make a fuss about a bit of tomato sauce. "'I at least cleaned all the beans off.' "'Well, we're we're not actually alone, are we? "'Not as such,' said the lecturer in recent runes. "'I mean, there's there's seven of us, not including the librarian.' "'Yes, but we're all alone together,' said Ridcully urgently. "'There could be talk.' "'Er, what about?' said the chair of indefinite studies, "'who sometimes lagged behind.' "'You know,' said the lecturer in recent rooms, seven men and, and, and one <clears throat> woman it, it doesn't bear thinking about.' "'Well, I, for one, will certainly veto any suggestion "'about ordering uh, another six women,' said the chair firmly. "'Perhaps the hole will open again,' said the senior wrangler. "'I, I doubt it,' said Ridcully.' "'Ponder says that our coming through probably altered the the thaumostatic balance. "'What do you think, Dean?' "'Just tomato sauce,' said the Dean. "'It could have happened to anyone.' "'I meant about our being marooned on this island,' said Ridcully. "'Any ideas, anyone? We must tackle this as a team.' "'What shall we tell Mrs Whitlow?' "'whispered the senior wrangler. "'She thinks this is a prank.' "'Senior wrangler, we are elderly, wise, and experienced wizards,' said Ridcully. "'Students are prankers.' "'Pranksters, possibly,' mumbled Ponder Stibbons. "'Whatever. We do not indulge in pranks.' "'With us, it's a fully-fledged, gold-embossed cock-up or nothing.' "'said the lecturer in recent rooms. "'I don't see why people are making such a fuss "'about a bit of tomato sauce that hardly even shows up,' muttered the dean. "'No one... no one brought any suitable spells,' said Ridcully. "'At four in the morning, for the beach,' said the lecturer in recent rooms. "'Of course not. "'Then we shall have to fall back on our own resources.' "'There's bound to be a ship along, sooner or later. "'The point is, gentlemen,' he added, "'that we are the product of a university education. "'I'm quite sure primitive people have no difficulty surviving in a place like this, And, and, "'and think of all the things we have that our rude forefathers lacked.' "'Mrs. Whitlow, for a start,' said the Chair of Indefinite Studies. "'She wouldn't put up with rudeness of any sort,' the Senior Wrangler agreed.' Do you know anything about boats, Dean? I believe you got a brown for rowing when you were slimmer, said Ridcully. Please note that this question did not raise the matter of sheets in any way. Well, indeed, boat building is not a difficult task, said the Dean, surfacing. Even primitive people can build boats, and we are civilised men, after all. Then you're head of the boat building committee. "'said Ridcully. "'Senior Wrangler can help you. "'The rest of you fellows had better see if there's any fresh water. "'And food. "'Knock down a few coconuts. uh, uh, "'That sort of thing.' "'And what will you do, Arch-Chancellor?' "'said the senior Wrangler, nastily. "'I shall be the Protein Acquisition Committee,' "'said Ridcully, waving his fishing rod. "'You going to stand there and fish again? "'What good's that going to do?' "'It might!' Result in a fish dinner, senior wrangler. Has anyone got any tobacco? said the dean. I'm dying for a smoke. The wizards went off about their tasks, complaining and blaming one another. And just inside the forest, in the leafy debris, roots unfolded and a number of very small plants began to grow like hell. This is the last continent, said Scrappy. It was put together last and... Differently. Looks pretty old to me, said Rincewind, ancient. Those hills look as old as the hills. They were made 30,000 years old, said the kangaroo. Come on, they look millions of years old. Yep, 30,000 years ago, they were made a million years ago. Time here is, the kangaroo shrugged, not the same. It was glued together differently, right? Search me, said Rincewind. I'm a man sitting here listening to a kangaroo. I'm not arguing. I'm trying to find words you might understand, said the kangaroo reproachfully. Good, keep going, you'll get there. Want a jam sandwich? It's gooseberry. Nah, strictly herbivore, mate. Listen, unusual gooseberry jam. I mean, you don't often see it. Raspberry and strawberry, yes. Even blackcurrant. I shouldn't think more than one jar of jam in a hundred is gooseberry. Sorry, sorry, do go on. You're taking this seriously, are you? Am I smiling? Have you ever noticed how time goes slower in big spaces? The sandwich stopped halfway to Rincewind's mouth. Actually, that is true, but it only seems slower. So? When this place was made, there wasn't much space and time left over to work with, see? He had to budge them together to make them work harder. Time happens to space, and space happens to time. "'You know, I think there could be a plum in it, too,' said Rincewind, his mouth full. "'And maybe some mm, some rhubarb. "'You'd be amazed how often they do that sort of thing. "'You know, stuff cheaper fruitine. "'I met this man in an inn once. "'He worked for a jam maker in Arkmorepork, Moorpork. "'And he said they put in any old rubbish and some red dye. "'And I said, what about the raspberry pips? "'And he said they make them out of wood. "'Wood!' He said they'd got a machine for stamping him out. Can you believe that? Will you stop talking about jam and be sensible for a moment? Rincewind lowered the sandwich. Good grief, I hope not, he said. I'm sitting in a cave in a country where everything bites you and it never rains, and I'm talking, no offence, to a herbivore that smells of a carpet in a house where there are a lot of excitable puppies, and I've suddenly got this talent for finding jam sandwiches and inexplicable fairy cakes in unexpected places, and I've been shown something very odd in a picture on some old cave wall, and suddenly, said kangaroo, tells me time and space are all wrong, and wants me... To be sensible. What, when you get right down to it, is in it for me? Look, this place wasn't finished, right? It wasn't fitted in, turned around. The kangaroo looked at Rincewind as if reading his mind, which was the case. You know like with a jigsaw puzzle? The last piece is the right shape but you have to turn it round to fit, right? Now, think of the piece as a bloody big continent. "'that's got to be turned around through about nine dimensions, "'and you're home and dry,' said Rincewind. "'Bloody right!' Uh, "'Er, I know this may seem like a foolish question,' said Rincewind, "'trying to dislodge a gooseberry pip from a tooth cavity. "'But why me?' "'It's your fault. "'You arrived here and suddenly things had always been wrong.' "'Rincewind looked back towards the wall. "'The earth trembled again.' ''Can you hop that past me again?'' he said. ''Something went wrong in the past.'' The kangaroo looked at Rincewind's blank, jam-smeared expression and tried again. ''Your arrival caused a wrong note,'' it ventured. ''What in?'' The creature waved a paw vaguely. All this, he said, you could call it a bloody multidimensional knuckle of localised phase space, or maybe you could just call it the song. Rincewind shrugged. I don't mind putting my hand up to killing a few spiders, he said, but it was me or them. I mean, some of those come at you at head height. You changed history. Oh, come on. A few spiders don't make that much difference. Some of them were using their webs as trampolines. It was a case of boing, and and then the next moment... No, not history from now on. History that's already happened, said the kangaroo. I've changed things that already happened long ago. Right. By arriving here, I changed what's already happened? Yep. Look... Time isn't as straightforward as you think. I never thought it was, said Rincewind, and I've been round it a few times. The kangaroo waved a paw expansively. It's not just that things in the future can affect things in the past, he said. Things that didn't happen but might have happened can affect things that really happened. Even things that happened and shouldn't have happened and were removed still have, ah, call them, shadows in time. Things left over which interfere with what's going on. Between you and me, it went on, waggling its ears. It's all just held together by spit now. No one's ever got round to tidying it up. I'm always amazed when tomorrow follows today, and that's the truth. Me too, said Rincewind. Oh, me too. Still, no worries, eh? I think I'll lay off the jam, said Rincewind. He put the sandwich down. Why me? The kangaroo scratched its nose. ''It's got to be someone,'' it said. ''And what am I supposed to do?'' said Rincewind. ''Wind it into the world.'' ''There's a key?'' ''Might be. Depends.'' Rincewind turned and looked at the rock pictures again. The pictures that hadn't been there a few weeks ago and then suddenly had always been there. Figures holding long sticks, figures in long robes. The artist had done a pretty good job of drawing something quite unfamiliar. And in case there was any doubt, you only had to look at what was on their heads.'' ''Yeah, we call them the pointy-heads,'' said the kangaroo. ''He started catching fish,'' said the senior wrangler. ''That means he'll come over all smug and start asking what plans we've got for making a boat any minute. You know what he's like.'' The dean looked at some sketches he'd made on a rock. ''How hard can it be to build a boat?'' He said. People with bones in their noses build boats, and we are the end product of thousands of years of enlightenment. Building a boat is not beyond men like us, Senior Wrangler. Quite, Dean. All we have to do is search this island until we find a book with a title like Practical Boat Building for Beginners. Exactly. It'll be plain sailing after that, Dean. <laughs> He glanced up and swallowed hard. Mrs. Whitlow was sitting on a log in the shade, fanning herself with a large leaf. The sight stirred things in the senior wrangler. He was not at all sure what they were, but little details like the way something creaked when she moved twanged bits of the senior wrangler as well. "'You all right, senior wrangler? You look as if the heat is getting to you. Just a little... warm, Dean?' The dean looked past him as he loosened his collar. ''Well, they haven't been long,'' he said. The other wizards were walking down the beach. One advantage of a long wizarding robe is that it can be held like an apron, and the chair of indefinite studies was bulging at the front even more than usual. ''Found anything to eat?'' said the senior wrangler. ''Er... yes.'' ''Fruit and nuts, I suppose,'' grumbled the dean. "'Er, uh, yes, and, and then again, no,' said the lecturer in recent runes. Mm, "'It's rather odd.' "'The chair of indefinite studies let his burden spill out onto the sand. "'There were coconuts, other nuts of various sizes, "'and assorted hairy or knobbly vegetable things. "'All rather primitive,' said the dean, "'and probably poisonous.' "'Well, the birds has been eating things like there's no tomorrow,' "'said the lecturer in recent runes.' The bursar burped happily. ''That doesn't mean there will be,'' said the dean. ''What's up with you fellows? You keep looking at one another.'' "Um, we, we've tasted a few things too, dean,'' said the lecturer in recent runes. ''Ah, I see the gatherers have returned,'' roared Ridcully happily, walking towards them. He waved three fish on a string. ''Anything resembling potatoes in there, chaps?'' "'You're not going to believe any of this,' mumbled the lecturer in recent runes. "'You're going to accuse us of trickery.' "'What are you talking about?' said the dean. "'They don't look very tricky to me.' "'The Chair of Indefinite Studies gave a sigh. "'Have a coconut,' he said. "'Did they go off-bang or something?' "'No, nothing like that at all.' "'The dean picked up a nut, gave it a suspicious look, and banged it on a stone.' It fell into two exact halves. There was no milk to spill out. Inside the husk was a brown inner shell full of soft white fibres. Ridcully picked up a bit of it and sniffed. I don't believe this, he said. That's not natural. So, said the dean, it's a coconut full of coconut. What's odd about that, then? The arch broke off a piece of the shell and handed it over. It was soft and slightly crumbly. The dean tasted it. "'Chocolate!' he said. Ridcully nodded. "'Dairy milk, by the taste of it, with a creamy coconut filling.' "'That's not possible,' said the dean, his cheeks bulging. "'Spit it out, then.' "'I think I might perhaps try a little more,' said the dean, swallowing. "'In a spirit of inquiry, you understand.' The senior wrangler picked up a knobbly, bluish nut about the size of a fist and tapped it experimentally. It shattered, but was held together because of the gooey contents. The smell was very familiar. A careful taste confirmed it. The wizards regarded the nut's innards in shocked silence. "'It's even got the blue veins,' said the senior wrangler. "'Yes, we know. We tried one,' said the chair of Indefinite Studies weekly." And after all, there is such a thing as breadfruit. Mm, I, I, I've heard of it, said Ridcully, and I might believe there's such a thing as a naturally chocolate-covered coconut, because chocolate's a kind of um, potato. A bean, possibly, said Ponder Stibbons. Whatever, but I damn well don't believe there's such a thing as a mature lancre blue runny cheese nut, he prodded the thing. But nature does come up with some very funny coincidences, Arch-Chancellor, said the Chair of Indefinite Studies. Why, I myself, as a child, once dug up a carrot, which, (laughs) most amusingly, looked just like a man with an... Eh, said the Dean. It was only a little sound, but it had a certain portentous quality. They turned to look at him. He'd been peeling away the yellowing husk from something like a small bean pod. "'What he now held were—' "'Ha! Yes, good joke!' said Ridcully. "'They certainly don't grow on tri—' "'I didn't do anything. "'Look, it's still got bits of pith and stuff on it,' said the dean, waving the thing wildly. "'Ridcully took it, sniffed it, held it up to his ear and shook it, and then said quietly, "Um, uh, show me where you found it, will you?' "'The bush was in a small clearing.' Dozens of the little green shoots hung down between its tiny leaves. Each was tipped by a flower, but the flowers were curling up and falling off. The crop was ripe. Multicoloured beetles zoomed away from the bush as the dean selected a pod and peeled it open, revealing a slightly damp white cylinder. He examined it for a few seconds, then put one end in his mouth, took a box of matches from a pocket in his hat and lit up. Mmm, quite a smooth smoke, he said. His hand shook slightly as he took the cigarette out of his mouth and blew a smoke ring. Cork filter, too, he said. Er, well, both tobacco and cork are naturally occurring vegetable products, quavered the Chair of Indefinite Studies. Chair? said Ridcully. Yes, Arch-Chancellor. Shut up, will you? Yes, Arch-Chancellor. Ponder Stibbons broke open a cork tip. There was a tiny ring of what might well have been... Seeds, he said, but that can't be right, because the Dean, wreathed in blue smoke, had been staring at the nearby vines. Has it occurred to anyone else that those pods are remarkably rectangular, he said. Go for it, Dean, said Ridcully. A brown outer husk was pulled aside. Ah, said the Dean. Biscuits. Just the thing with cheese. Um, said Ponder. He pointed. Just beyond the bush, a couple of boots lay on the ground. Rincewind ran his fingers over the cave wall. The ground shook again. What's causing that? he said. Oh, some people say it's an earthquake. Some say it's the country drying up. Others say it's a giant snake rushing through the ground, said Scrappy. Which is it? The wrong sort of question. They definitely looked like wizards, thought Rincewind. They had that basic cone shape familiar to anyone who'd been to Unseen University. They were holding staffs. Even with the crude materials available to them, the ancient artists had managed to portray the knobs on the ends. But Yu Yu hadn't even existed 30,000 years ago. Then he noticed, for the first time, the drawing right at the end of the cave. There were a lot of the ochre handprints on top of it, Almost, and the thought expanded in his mind in a sneaky way, as though someone had thought that they could hold it down onto the rock. Prevent it. This was a silly thought he knew. Prevent it from getting out. He brushed away some dust. "'Oh, no,' he mumbled. It was an oblong box. The artist hadn't got the hang of conventional perspective, but there was no doubt that he'd tried to paint hundreds of little legs. "'That's my luggage!' "'Always the same, right?' said Scrappy behind him. "'You arrive okay, and your luggage ends up somewhere else. Thousands of years in the past? "'Could be a valuable antique. "'It's got my clothes in it. "'They'll probably be back in style then. "'You don't understand, it's a magical box. "'It's supposed to end up where I am. "'It probably is where you are, just not when.' "'What? Oh.' I told you time and space were all stirred up, didn't I? You wait till you're on your journey. There's places where there's several times happening at once and places where there's hardly any time at all. And times when there's hardly any place. You've got to sort it out, right? What, like shuffling cards, said Rincewind? He made a mental note about on your journey. Yep. That's impossible. You know, I'd have said so too. But you will do it. "'Now you'll have to concentrate about this bit, right?' Scrappy took a deep breath. <gasps> "'I know you're going to do it because you've already done it.' Rinswind put his head in his hands. "'I told you about time and space here being mixed up,' said the kangaroo. "'I've already saved the country, have I?' "'Yep. Oh.' Good. Well, that wasn't so difficult. I don't want much. Um, A medal, perhaps? A grateful thanks of the population, maybe a small pension and a a ticket home? He looked up. I'm not going to get any of that, though, am I? No, because I haven't already done it yet. Exactly. You're getting the hang of it. You have to go and do what we know you're going to do because you've already done it. In fact, if you hadn't done it already, I wouldn't be here to make sure it gets done, so you'd better do it. Facing, um, terrible dangers, the kangaroo waved a paw. Slightly terrible, it said, and go for many miles of a parched and trackless terrain. Well, yeah, we haven't got any other sort. Rincewind brightened up slightly, and I'll meet comrades whose strengths and skills will be a great help to me. Don't bet on it. Any chance of a magic sword? What would you do with a magic sword? Fair enough, fair enough. Forget the magic sword. But I've got to have something. Cloak of invisibility, potion of strength, something like that. That stuff's for people who know how to use them, mister. You'll have to rely on your native wit. I've got nothing? What sort of a quest is that? Can't you give me any hints? You may have to drink some beer... "'said the kangaroo. "'It cringed back for a moment, "'as if confident of facing a storm of objections. "'Rincewind said, "'Oh, right. "'Oh, well, I know how to do that. "'Um, what direction am I supposed to go?' "'Ah, you'll fight it. "'And when I get to where I'm going, "'what am I supposed to do?' "'It'll be obvious, right? "'And how will I know I've done it?' "'The wet will come back.' "'The wet what? It'll rain.' "'I thought it never rained here,' said Rincewind. "'See? I knew you were smart.' The sun was setting. The rocks around the edge of the cave glowed red. Rincewind stared at them for a while and reached a brave decision. "'I'm not the man to shirk when the fate of whole countries is in the balance,' he said. "'I will make a start, at dawn, to complete this task which I have already completed, by Hokie, or my name isn't Rincewand. Rincewind, said the kangaroo. Indeed. Well said, mate. Then I should get some sleep if I were you. Could be a busy day tomorrow. I've not been found wanting when duty calls, said Rincewind. He reached into a hollow log, and after some rummaging around, pulled out a plate of egg and chips. See you at dawn, then. Ten minutes later, he stretched out on the sand with the log as his pillow, and looked up at the purple sky. Already a few stars were coming out. Now there was something. Oh, yes, the kangaroo was lying down on the other side of the waterhole. Rincewind raised his head. You said something about when he created this place, and and you talked about him. Yep. Only, I'm pretty sure I've met the creator. A short bloke. Does all his own snowflakes. Yeah? And when did you meet him? When he was making the world, as a matter of fact. Rincewind decided to refrain from mentioning that he'd dropped a sandwich into a rock pool at the time. People don't like to hear that they may have evolved from somebody's lunch. "'I get around quite a lot,' he added. Are you coming the raw prawn?' "'What?' "'Oh, no, certainly not. "'Coming a raw prawn? Uh, not me. "'That's something I never do. Mm. "'Or even cooked prawns. "'Or crustaceans of any sort, especially in rock pools. "'Not me. Um... "'What uh, was it that you actually meant?' "'Well, he didn't create this place,' said Scrappy, ignoring him. "'This was done after.' "'Can that happen? Why not?' "'Well, it's not like, you know, building on over the stables, is it?' said Rincewind. "'Someone just wanders along when a world's all finished and slings down an extra continent.' "'Happens all the time, mate,' said Scrappy. "'Bloody hell, yeah!' Why not, anyway? If other creators go around leaving ruddy, great, empty oceans, someone's bound to fill them up, right? Does a world good, too, having a fresh look, new ideas, new ways. Rincewind stared up at the stars. He had a mental vision of someone walking from world to world, sneaking in extra lands when no one was looking. Yes, indeed, he said. I, for one, would not have thought of making all the snakes deadly and all the spiders deadlier than the snakes and putting pockets on everything. "'Great idea.' "'There you go, then,' said Scrappy. "'He was hardly visible now as the dark filled up the cave.' "'Made a lot of them, has he?' "'Yep.' "'Why?' "'So's maybe at least one of them won't get mucked up. "'Always put kangaroos on them, too. "'Sort of a signature, you might say.' "'Does this creator have a name?' "'No. "'He's just the man who carries the sack that contains the whole universe.' "'A leather sack?' ''Sounds like him,'' the kangaroo agreed. ''The whole universe in one small sack?'' ''Yep.'' Rincewind settled back. ''I'm glad I'm not religious,'' he said. ''It must be very complicated.'' After another five minutes, he began to snore. After half an hour, he moved his head slightly. The kangaroo didn't seem to be around. With almost super-Rincewind speed, he was upright and scrambling up the fallen rocks, over the lip of the cave, and into the dark oven of the night. He sighted on a random star, and got into his stride, ignoring the bushes that lashed at his bare legs. Ha! He was not going to be found wanting when duty called. He did not intend to be found at all. In the cave, the water in the pool rippled under the starlight, the expanding circles lapping against the sand. On the wall was an ancient drawing of a kangaroo, in white and red and yellow. The artist had tried to achieve on stone what might better have been attempted with eight dimensions and a large particle accelerator. He tried to include not just the kangaroo now, but also the kangaroo in the past and the kangaroo in the future, and in short, not what the kangaroo looked like, but what the kangaroo was. Among other things, as it faded, it was grinning. Among the complexities that made up the intelligent biped known to the rest of the world as Mrs. Whitlow was this. There was no such thing as an informal meal in Mrs. Whitlow's world. If Mrs. Whitlow made sandwiches even just for herself, she would put a sprig of parsley on the top. She placed a napkin on her lap to drink a cup of tea. If the table could have a vase of flowers and a placemat with a tasteful view of something nice, so much the better. It was unthinkable that she should eat a meal balanced on her knees. In fact, it was unthinkable to think of Mrs. Whitlow as having knees, although the senior wrangler had to fan himself with his hat occasionally. So the beach had been scoured to find enough bits of driftwood to make a very rough table and some suitable rocks to use as seats. The senior wrangler dusted one off with his hat. Mm -mm. Uh, There we are, Mrs. Whitlow, the housekeeper frowned. ''I'm really sure it's not done for the staff to eat with the gentlemen,'' she said. ''Be our guest, Mrs Whitlow,'' said Ridcully. ''I really can't. It does not do to get ideas above one's station," said Mrs Whitlow. ''I would never be able to look you in the face again, sir. I hope I knew may place.'' Ridcully looked blank for a moment and then said quietly, uh, ''Faculty meeting, gentlemen?'' The wizards went into another huddle a little way along the beach. What are we supposed to do about that? I think it's very commendable of her. Her world is below stairs, after all. Yes, very well, but it's not as if there were any stairs on this island. Uh, Could we build some? We can't let the poor woman sit off by herself somewhere. That is my point. We spent ages on that table. And did you notice something about the driftwood, Arch-Chancellor? Look like perfectly ordinary wood to me, Stibbons. Branches, tree trunks and what not. That's the strange thing, sir, because... It's very simple, Ridgully. I hope that as a gentleman we know how to treat a woman. Lady. Let me just say that was unnecessarily sarcastic, Dean, said Ridcully. Very well. If the Prophet Ossery won't go to the mountain, the mountain must go to the Prophet Ossery, as they say in Clatch. He paused. He knew his wizards. I believe, in fact, that it's in Omnia that they say... Ponder began. Ridcully waved a hand. Uh, Something like that, anyway. And that is why Mrs Whitlow dined alone at the table, while the wizards sat around the fire a little way away, except that very frequently one of them would lumber over to offer her some choice bit of nature's bounty. It was obvious that starvation would not be a problem on this island, although dyspepsia and gout might be. Fish was the main course. Frenzied searching had failed to locate a steak bush so far, but had found, in addition to numerous more conventional fruits, a pasta bush, a sort of squash that contained something very much like custard, and to Ridcully's disgust, a pineapple-like plant, the fruit of which was, when the husk had been stripped away, a large plum pudding. Obviously it's not really a plum pudding, he protested. We just... ''Think it's like a plum pudding because it tastes exactly like a... a, a, a ...plum pudding.'' His voice trailed off. ''It's got plums and currants in it,'' said the senior wrangler. ''Pass the custard squash, will you?'' ''My point is that we only think they look like currants and plums.'' ''No, we also think they taste like currants and plums,'' said the senior wrangler. ''Look, Arch-Chancellor, there's no mystery. Obviously, wizards have been here before.'' This is the result of perfectly ordinary magic. Perhaps our lost geographer did a bit of experimenting. Or it's sorcery, perhaps. Some of the things that got created in the old days. Well, a cigarette bush is very small beer by comparison, eh? Um, talking of small beer, said the dean, waving his hand, pass me the rum, will you? Mrs Whitlow doesn't approve of strong liquor, said the senior wrangler. The dean glanced at the housekeeper, who was daintily eating a banana, a feat which is quite hard to do. He put down the coconut shell. "'Well, she... I um, am... I don't see... Well, damn it! That's all I've got to say.' "'Or bad language,' said the lecturer in recent rooms. "'I vote we take some of those bees back with us,' said the chair of Indefinite Studies.' Marvelous little creatures. "'No footling around being content with making boring honey. "'You just reach up and pick one of these handy little wax containers "'and Bob's your uncle.' "'She takes all the peel off slowly before she eats it. "'Oh, dear.' "'You all right, senior wrangler. "'Is the heat getting to you? "'What? Huh? Oh, oh nothing. Um, "'Yes, yes, uh, bees. Uh, "'Wonderful things.' They glanced up at a couple of the bees, who were busying themselves around a flowering bush in the last of the light. They were leaving little black smoke trails. "'Shooting around like little rockets,' said the Arch-Chancellor. "'Amazing!' "'I'm still worried about those boots,' said the senior wrangler. "'You'd think the man had been pulled right out of them.' "'It's a tiny island, man,' said Ridcully. "'All we've seen is birds, a few little squeaky things.' And a load of insects. You you don't get big, fierce animals on islands you can practically throw a stone across. He must have just felt a bit carefree. It's a bit hot for boots here, anyway. So why haven't we seen him? Ah, he's probably lying low, said the dean, ashamed to face us. Keeping a nice, sunny island in your study is against university rules. Is it? said Ponder. I've never seen it mentioned. How long has it been a rule? "'Ever since I've had to sleep in a freezing bedroom,' said the dean, darkly. "'Pass the bread-and-butter pudding fruit, will you?' "'Wook,' said the librarian. "'Ah, nice to see you, your old shape, old chap,' said Ridcully. "'Try and keep it up for longer this time, eh?' "'Wook!' The librarian was sitting behind a pile of fruit. Normally he wouldn't question such a perfect piece of positioning, but now even the bananas were bothering him. There was the same sensation of wrongness.' There were long yellow ones and stubby ones and red ones and fat brown ones. He stared at the remains of the fish. There was a big silver one and a fat red one and a small grey one and a flat one a bit like a place. Obviously some sorcerer landed here and wanted to make the place more homely, the senior wrangler was saying, but he sounded far off. The librarian was counting. The plum pudding plant... "'the custard squash vine, the chocolate coconut. "'He turned his head to look at the trees. "'And now he knew what he was looking for, "'he couldn't see it anywhere. "'The senior wrangler stopped talking "'as the ape scrambled to his knuckles "'and sped back to the high tide line. "'The wizards watched in silence "'as he scrabbled through the heaped-up seashells. "'He came back with a double handful "'which he dropped triumphantly in front of the Arch-Chancellor. "'Ooh! ooh. Uh, what's that, old chap?' "'Ook! Yes, yes, very pretty. But, um, what's... Ook!' The librarian seemed to remember what kind of intellects he was dealing with. He held up a finger and looked at Ridcully inquiringly. "'Ook!' um, still not quite with you.' Two fingers went up. "'Ook! Ook!' Mm, "'No, not sure I fully under... Ook! Ook! Ook!' "'Ponder Stibbons looked at the three fingers now raised. "'I think he's counting, sir.' "'The librarian handed him a banana. "'Ah, the old how-many-fingers-am-I-holding-up game,' said the dean. "'But usually we all have to have a bit more to drink first. "'The librarian waved his hand at the fish, at the meal, at the shells, "'and at the background of trees. "'One finger stabbed at the sky. Oh, it's "'It's all one to you?' "'said Rid Cully. "'It's one big place. Um, "'It's one to remember.' "'The librarian opened his mouth again and then sneezed. "'A very large red seashell lay on the sand. "'Oh, dear,' said Ponderstibbons. "'That's interesting,' said the Chair of Indefinite Studies. "'He's turned into quite a good specimen of the giant conch. "'You can get a marvellous sound out of one of them "'if you blow in the pointy end.' "'Volunteers?' said the Dean, almost under his breath. "'Oh, dear,' said Ponder again. "'What's up with you?' said the Dean. "'There's only one,' said Ponder. "'That's what he was trying to tell us.' "Um, one what?' said Ridcully. "'Of everything, sir. "'There's only one of everything.' "'It was, he thought later, a good dramatic line.' People ought to have looked at one another in growing and horrified realisation and said things like, By George, you know, he's right. But these were wizards, capable of thinking very big thoughts in very small chunks. Don't be daft, man, said Riddcully. There's millions of the damn shells for a start. Yes, sir, but look, they're all... Different, sir. All the trees we found, there was only one of each sort, sir. Lots of banana trees, but they all produced different types of bananas. There was only one cigarette tree, wasn't there? Lots of bees, though, said Ridcully. But only one swarm, said Ponder. Millions of beetles, said the dean. I don't think I've seen two alike, sir. Well, that's interesting, said Ridcully, but I don't see... One of anything doesn't work, sir, said Ponder. It can't breed. Yes, but they're only trees, Stibbons. Trees need males and females too, sir. Oh, they do? Yes, sir. Sometimes they're different bits of the same tree, sir. What? Are you sure? Yes, sir. My uncle grew nuts, sir. Keep it down, boy. Keep it down. Mrs Whitlow might hear you. Ponder was taken aback. What, sir? But, but she is Mrs. Whitlow, sir. No, well, what, what's that got to do with the price of feet? I mean, presumably there was a Mr. Whitlow, sir. Ridcully's face went wooden for a moment and his lips moved as he tried out various responses. Finally, he settled weakly for mm, That's as may be. But it all sounds pretty mucky to me. I'm afraid that's nature for you, sir. I used to like walking through the woods on a nice spring morning, Stibbons. You mean to say the trees were acted like knives the whole time? Ponder's horticultural knowledge found itself a little exhausted at this point. He tried to remember what he could about his uncle, who'd spent most of his life up a ladder. I, er, uh, think camel hair brushes are sometimes involved, he began. But Ridcully's expression told him that this wasn't a welcome fact, so he went on... "'Anyway, sir, ones don't work. "'And there's another thing, sir. "'Who smokes the cigarettes? "'I mean, if the bush just hopes that butts are going to be dropped around the place, "'who does it think is going to smoke them?' "'What?' Ponder sighed. "'The point about fruit, sir, is that it's a kind of lure. "'A bird will eat the fruit and then uh, drop the seeds somewhere. "'It's the way the plant spreads its seeds around.' "'but we've only seen birds and a few lizards on this island, so how... "'Oh, I see what you mean,' said Ridcully. "'You're thinking, what kind of bird stops flying around for a quick smoke?' "Um, a puffin,' said the bursar. "'Glad to see you still with us, bursar,' said Ridcully, without looking round. "'Birds don't smoke, sir. "'You've got to ask yourself what's in it for the bush, you see?' If there were people here, well, I suppose you might get a sort of nicotine tree eventually because they'd smoke the cigarettes. I mean, he corrected himself because he prided himself on his logical thought. These things that look like cigarettes and stub them round the place, thus spreading the seeds which are in the filter. Some seeds need heat to germinate, sir, but if there aren't any people, the bush doesn't make any sense. We're people said the Dean, and I like a smoke after supper. Everyone knows that. Yes, but with respect, sir, we've only been here a couple of hours, and I doubt whether the news has spread all the way to small islands, said Ponder patiently, and with, as it turned out, 100% inaccuracy. That's probably not long enough for one to evolve. Hmm, are you telling me, said Ridcully, like a man with something on his mind... "'That you think when you eat an apple, you're helping it to, um... "'He stopped. "'It was bad enough about the trees,' he sniffed. "'I shall stick to eating fish. "'At least they make their own arrangements. "'At a decent distance, I understand. "'And you know what I think about evolution, Mr. Stibbons? "'If it happens, and frankly I've always considered it a bit of a fairy story, "'it has to happen fast. "'Look at Lemmings, for one thing.' "'Lemmings, sir? Right. The little blighters keep charging over the cliffs, right? And how many have ever changed into birds on the way down, Hm? Eh?' "'Well, none, of course. There's my point,' said Ridcully triumphantly. "'And it's no good one of them on the way down thinking, "'Hey, maybe I should waggle my claws a bit, is it?' "'No. What it ought to do is decide really positively about growing some real wings.' What, in a couple of seconds, while they're plunging towards the rocks? Best time. But lemmings don't just turn into birds, sir. Lucky for them if they could, though, eh? Hmm? There was a roar far off in the little jungle. It sounded rather like a foghorn. Are you sure there aren't any dangerous creatures on this island? said the dean. I think I saw some prawns, said the senior wrangler nervously. No, the Arch-Chancellor was right. It's far too small, said Ponder, trying to dismiss the thought of flying lemmings. It couldn't possibly support anything that could hurt us, sir. After all, what would it eat? Now they could all hear something crashing through the trees. Us, said the Dean, hesitantly. A creature blundered out onto the sunset sands. It was large and seemed to be mainly head one huge reptilian head that looked almost as big as the body below it. It walked on two long hind legs. There was a tail, but given the amount of teeth now showing at the other end, the wizards weren't inclined to take in too much additional detail. The creature sniffed the air and roared again. Ah, said Ridcully, the solution to the mystery of the disappearing geographer, I suspect. Well done, senior wrangler. "'I think I'll just...,' the dean began. "'Stay still, sir,' hissed Ponder. "'A lot of reptiles can't see you if you don't move. "'I can assure you, at the speed I intend, nothing is going to see me.' "'The monster turned its head this way and that and began to lumber forward. "'Can't see things that don't move,' said the Arch-Chancellor. "'You mean we just have to wait for it to walk into a tree?' "'Mrs Whitlow's still sitting there.' "'said the senior wrangler. "'She was, in fact, spreading some runny cheese on a biscuit in a ladylike fashion. "'I don't think she's seen it.' "'Ridcully rolled up his sleeve. "'I think a round of fireballs, gentlemen,' he said. "'Hold on,' said Ponder. "'This may be an endangered species.' "'So is Mrs Whitlow. "'But do we have the right to wipe out what is—' "'Absolutely,' said Ridcully. "'If its creator had meant it to survive, he would have given it a fireproof skin.' "'That's your evolution for you, Stibbons. "'But perhaps we ought to study it.' "'The thing was beginning to get up speed now. "'It was amazing how fast it could move, considering how big it was. Uh said Ponder nervously. "'Ridcully raised his arm. "'The creature stopped, jerked into the air, and then went flat, "'like a rubber ball that had been stepped on.' And indeed, when it sprang back into shape, it was with a noise akin to the sound made when a bad conjurer is having trouble twisting the back legs onto the balloon animal. Insofar as it had an expression at all, it looked more astonished than hurt. Little flashes of lightning crackled around it, it went flat again, rolled up into a cylinder, twisted into a range of interesting but probably painful shapes, shrank to a ball the size of a grapefruit, and then with a final and rather sad little noise that might well have been spelled PRAP, "'dropped back onto the sand. "'Now that was pretty good,' said Ridcully. "'Which of you fellows did that?' "'The wizards looked at one another. "'Not us,' said the dean. "It was going to be fireballs all the way.' "'Ridcully nudged Ponder. "'Go on, then,' he said. "'Study it.' "'Er...' "'Ponder looked at the bewildered creature on the sand. "'Er... "'The subject appears to have turned into a large chicken.' "'Good.' Well done, said Ridcully, as if to wrap things up. Shame to waste this fireball, then. He hurled it. It was a road. At least, it was a long, flat piece of desert with wheel ruts in it. Rincewind stared at it. A road. Roads went somewhere. Sooner or later, they went everywhere. And when you got there, you generally found walls, buildings, harbours. Boats. Boats. "'and incidentally a shortage of talking kangaroos. "'That was practically one of the hallmarks of civilization. "'It wasn't that he was against anyone saving the world, "'or whatever subset of it apparently wanted saving. "'He just felt that it didn't need saving by him. "'Which way to go? "'He picked a direction at random and jogged along for a while as the sun came up. "'After a while there was a cloud of dust in the dawn, coming closer. "'Rincewind stood hopefully by the track.' "'What eventually appeared at the inverted apex of the cloud "'was a cart pulled by a string of horses. "'The horses were black, so was the cart, "'and it didn't seem to be slowing down. "'Rincewind waved his hat in the air just as the horses came past. "'After a while the dust settled. "'He got back onto his feet and walked unsteadily through the bushes "'until he found the cart where it had come to rest. "'The horses watched him warily. "'It wasn't a huge cart to be pulled by eight horses,' But both they and the cart were covered with so much wood, leather and metal, they probably didn't have much energy to spare. Spikes and studs covered every surface. The reins led not to the usual seat, but into holes at the front of the cart itself. This was roofed over with more wood and ironmongery, bits of old stove, hammered-out body armour, saucepan lids and tin cans that had been stamped flat and nailed on. Above the slot where the reins went in was something like a piece of bent stovepipe poking through the cart's roof. It had a watchful look. Um, hello, said Rincewind. Sorry if I scared your horses. In the absence of any reply, he climbed up an armoured wheel and looked at the top of the cart. There was a round lid that had been pushed open.